we talked about like our birth like birthday things or like you know stupid tarot stu- cards mm-hmm. or tarot cards yep okay yeah, update like on that. that i looked mine up and i was the oh. tower and the chariot and it was basically like you're a hot mess <laughs> <laughs> because basically- i looked mine up too i forget though what it was hold on so what does that mean, Katie? It basically means like the the tower is like a really bad card. And it's like it, it basically means like all of your stuff's getting blown up. And then the chariot's kind of a good rebuilding. So they they balance each other. But it's like That's basically good. like organized chaos. I'm hanging upside down from a tree. Can I just backtrack on that one there? So I, <laughs> I think we both are like <laughs> feeling it here. It suits. <laughs> Mine is, I just looked it up again. It says I'm the star and strength, but I felt like it said I'm basically really stubborn and obnoxious, I think, (laughs) was my trait. But... Welcome to Fraser's Ridge, an Outlander podcast. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Aaron. And I'm Katie. Okay, so I am taking the lead here on working us through this episode, Between Two Fires, Season 5, Episode 2, okay, which aired on February 24th, 2020. But anyways, this was a crazy episode not only was it intense on the militia front it was intense on the emotional front we had a lot of heartfelt scenes and we had a lot of controversy we had some classic themes of who's right um what is it the classic dr seuss um greenings and ham or no 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 which side you butter your bread on or whatever the heck it was or the toast flips why do I not know this Dr. Seuss when I need it right now? I don't know that Dr. Seuss. I am not aware of this Dr. Seuss at all. You no, know, the one where you butter your bread, like this one people buttered their bread on the top and then the other one buttered the bread on the bottom. Is oh, this Whoville? Yeah, it's totally. Okay, well, Court somebody will know this. But anyhow, basically we have a, we have a classic conflict of who's right and who's wrong. Um, so the first thing I'd like to start off is if you guys noticed, we beginning before everything, we have a little less warnings this time. We only have mm-hmm. adult language, adult content, and violence. So they definitely put a lot in the first episode, filling the screen with warnings. But this time we only had three. But let me tell you, I am still on board. Okay. Um, I don't know about <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I'm definitely on board. I... I was excited for this episode and warnings are not, you know, there were still, we still could tell there was going to be good action with those warnings, I think. Oh, definitely. Definitely violence. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So the beginning scene starts with a flashback and I don't know if you guys thought this, but I thought it was like an older flashback, but as we kind of learn, it's only maybe like a week or so. Um, it was post Murtog meeting with jamie and the last scene of like the last episode and at first i was thinking it was like a way flashback but it wasn't um but it starts out where murtog and the regulators are throwing tar and feathers on the tax collectors and it was a very scene and i don't know about you guys but the tar just looked so Uh cool and it looked so deadly um it kind of yeah i a little when i was seeing this i was like man when we learned about this in social studies class I didn't really like I knew tar and feathering was bad, right? But I didn't realize or conceptualize like how monstrous it was yeah. until you're really seeing it on your screen and seeing like how painful and really it's like a form of torture. I just really never connected those dots until I saw it on the screen. Right. I had the same thought, Tiff. I was like, wow, sixth grade me was so intrigued by this form of torture. <laughs> and 33-year-old me is really upset to be seeing yep. it yep. on so screen. Yep. They did it really well, too, though, because it was definitely graphic the way they did it. And then you're also reminded that, okay, this is a time where medicine, as we know, is not that great. It's not like they can be brought right to the like burn unit unit of the hospital and get on some bandages. No, like this could very easily equate to death in this time. Um, so it was an intense scene. It wasn't like your Looney Tunes, like tar and feathers, like that we've you know kind of mm-hmm. grew up to know. Um, 
But I, I wrote this in my little summary here, and I know, Tiff, you had these same feelings, but I felt like they were villainizing Murtaugh a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. they were kind of showing him as a villain and maybe getting us ready for whatever happens to him. Um, and maybe yeah, maybe like this, okay with it. Like the imagery of him standing with those fires like raging behind him definitely painted him as a villain. But also I thought was good imagery for visualizing one of the fires that Jamie's caught between totally. in this episode. Oh, true. Yeah, like a visual representation of one of the fires. I kept coming back to this scene and just, I agree, he looks so angry and just uncaring here. And I just kept thinking of that line by Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight when he says, you either die the hero or live long enough to become the villain. And I feel like Uh it's us almost regretting what we asked for, which was having this character that died in the books um, come to America. And now I don't like where his storyline is going and it's yeah. killing me a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But he also is probably for you guys. He's probably the one thing that's the mystery of watching the show as opposed to reading the books. It's kind of keeps you guys gusting a little bit and maybe entertained a bit. Cause you have no idea what the heck is going to happen. Um, I personally, as an audience member, even though it feels a little weird to see Murtaugh like that, I kind of like that they villainize him a little bit because I can only assume something does happen to him and it kind of takes that sting off a little bit if they do like execute him or whatever, you know? But all in all, it was a good opening to the scene or opening to the episode. It was right before the credits. Um, and then we fly back through the credits, sing me a song, yada, yada, the new one. I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it. <laughs> you know, it's we're getting there. <laughs> We need the Highland cow, but like, whatever. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So to continue along, the next scene, we open up with Brie drawing Bonnet. Okay. Uh, Wait, this though, I have to say like this was a sent chills down my spine because, you know, you're seeing this beautiful landscape as we're, you know, transitioning to the new scene. And then you see Brie leaning against a tree with her sketchbook. So you assume she's drawing this landscape and then you go over her shoulder shoulder and it's bonnet's dark scary face yep and yep. i just got such a chill i was like oh my gosh again like they're doing a very good job of showing her, her trauma i yep. think in this yeah like someone just this get show. this girl help please yep. yeah i wonder my question i asked me is asked myself as the audience was would she be drawing these drawings if she knew he was alive so like last episode, she learned he was alive. And so now you're wondering, okay, is it festering in her mind a little bit where she is drawing him obsessively because she wants to control mm-hmm. the situation a little bit, you know? Of course. Um, reopening that wound. Reopening that wound. So she's sitting there, she's drawing Bonnet, and then a sick man rushes in. His wife is bringing him in. Um, he's really sick. He comes to Claire, the amazing healer. Um, and we find out that the wife is not only letting his blood out, she's giving him mercury. And this was such a cool scene because these are the scenes I live for because we see like the past and the present come full circle. It was an intense scene. It was a graphic scene, you know? And what do you guys think? Well, I like this scene because this is one of the many scenes throughout the episode where we are starting to like set a thread that we finish throughout this episode, which made it feel, you know, episodic, which I kind of like when Outlander does that. Um, You get a little story within the larger story. So we're starting to see Claire's motivations of like, you know, she knows better than these people because she's from the future. And it's hard for her as a physician to resist, like trying to educate these people and, and teach them better ways of, um, you know, handling healing. So I, I really, I thought this was a good scene. And we saw also another thread get set where Marsley's the one running over to help clear the table and get, you know, the man prepped for his examination. True. Yeah. Like a little foreshadowing of Marsley. Yeah. Katrina Balfe is just such a good actress. So good. I just, this scene was another example of that for me where just her, ability to express helplessness and um, her anguish over her helplessness. It was just really moving. Yep. I mean, here she is. It's funny because she's always saying like, 
you know, I want to help the world or change the world. She's in this tiny little town and she has these like, like delusions of grandeur where she like is really thinking like she's going to change the entire world with like her science and what she knows. Okay. So to move us along here a little bit, um, the next scene here, we switch to Jamie and Lieutenant Hampton Knox, who if you talk about uh, face blind to anybody, I think this guy definitely takes the pick here. (laughs) Which uh, red coat is this now? Not my favorite (laughs) Outlander character. Yup. I could not, figure out his stupid name too i was like all around media i'm like what is this guy's name but i saw in your notes you had his full name and i was like whoa aaron you (laughs) definitely like paused and rewound until you found his name holy (laughs) that i found it like halfway through i was like okay we're gonna circle back lieutenant hampton knox okay um but yeah so they set off on their mini quest for murtog um and then i found that they had some kind of they did have some mutual respect in that scene Mm -hmm. um which i think goes back to the whole theme of this episode between two fires we we can almost have the two of them representing each fire jamie's very sympathetic to the regulators um and then we have you know Knox, who's also sympathetic, but from his perspective, um, and he also, I, you know, I don't know in this scene. Yeah, he doesn't know in this scene about the tarring yet. I think they both find out at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. A few oh, yeah. things stuck out for me in this one. Go for it. Um, Knox, just his like absolute desire for land, and you can tell yeah. he's like eager to please, and he just seems dangerous because he's going to make some stupid decision to like better himself um so from that i kind of was like oh this guy is not trustworthy (laughs) (laughs) when they take off on their horses i don't know if this was just like a really obvious ploy but jamie on his white horse and Knox is riding oh, the black one. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not pick up on that in the moment, but that's yeah. really that's a good observation. And yep. I just love this shot of Jamie like on his horse, like holding his shotgun, just having this conversation with Knox. I was like, what is happening here? Yep. I felt like the Jamie and Knox conversations were providing like a lot of exposition for the show. So they're doing a lot of like setting up of scenes and explaining things along mm-hmm. there their way and their chats and it was definitely another like you said another moment where we see how jamie is so stuck right now you know these two areas where he's bound bound to governor tryon for the land and and bound to murtaugh for being his godson um but i did i also i enjoyed this scene too i like i like these little kind of scenes where you just get a flavor of the time and and what these people are about yeah I think um, one of the quotes I wrote down here was, I think Knox said it, he was like, never a convenient time for death in taxes. <laughs> which, <laughs> which was like true and like great. And, um, you know, I don't know. It was just it was just a good scene. And I think that Knox is definitely a kind of reflection of Jamie almost. In, like, I, like, I, yeah, I was going to say foil at first, but then I'm like, okay, they're very similar too at the same time. Mm. And um yeah, again, right back to that theme, the two fires. Yes. I think what stuck with me um, was at one point Knox says, men like you and me. And I just, I was like, I cringed inside mm-hmm. because it's like Jamie would never associate himself as being in right. line with a red coat. And yep. I mean, I think even in what Knox is saying um, in their conversation, you can just hear this colonial ideal of you know we're british and we're gonna make everything better for everyone else and it's the same mentality that jamie faced 20 years ago and it's still the same and now he's having to like partner himself with these people and you know it must be killing him even though they've they've had some similarities along the way it's just done a really good job of showing both sides right right to continue on here in our, our timeline, um, we come to probably one of my favorite scenes, and this is the autopsy scene. Um, <laughs> Claire, Claire starts performing autopsy on the dead husband um, to, to determine the cause of his death. She learns that the wife has only made the death faster because she was giving him mercury as well. The audience obviously knew this too. Um, and even the bloodletting. I mean, all practices 
which we know from our own education is something they did. Um, but then Brie enters the scene and starts to console her mother a bit. And, you know, Claire seems a little bit dist- distraught. And she says she's not only fighting the illness, but she's also fighting the cure. Okay. Mm-hmm. I loved this um, line. It was such yeah, a good line. Yeah, this was a good line. I also just thought, classic Claire, like Claire's got a body just cut open, not caring if anybody runs in and sees what she's doing. And Brianna's like, mom, this makes sense in 1969, but this is not okay to do now. (laughs) What if somebody finds out? And Claire just, she does not worry about it. She's just classic Claire, you know, whatever. I've already been tied to one like witch trial, throw (laughs) another one my way. Yep. That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, shit, she better be careful here. I just want to throw in, I... I thought this scene was particularly important because I think it I think it's the first scene that involved Brie where she was not the central issue. So Brie is essentially counseling her mother and is a supporting character here. So in a way, she's actually finally become and I put quote part of the cast of the past. Okay, where it's not like her being this like conflict of itself, but now she's actually fully become a part of the team here and she's helping her mom. It's not like, hey, you know, Brie got raped, she came back in time, Brie, 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 Brie. She's now suddenly become a constant, like a part of this whole story now. Um, I love I think, this explanation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys want to add on on that at all, but I just and that's again why I think it is one of the more important scenes in this you know entire episode. It definitely humanizes Brie for me to see her Brie. thinking about someone other than herself. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Brie is best as a supporting character, in my opinion. You know, I prefer when the story is mostly about Jamie and Claire, and yep. Brie and Roger have a supporting role. Yeah, I agree. Um, she's like value added to like the main storyline. Yeah, it was a good scene. And I love like, you know, I just love like when they do, like I said this in the last podcast where I love when they bring the future into the past and there were some like hearth, harsh truths to the scene that only us as the audience can appreciate, you know, aside from Claire and probably Brie, um, where we can see like why it would be weird for her to be having an autopsy right now, you know? Um, It was a good scene. It was solid. The next scene I thought was really interesting where we just cut to Marsley carving up a deer. My initial thought was, this is a job that Fergus would be doing if it wasn't for his hand. But here's Marsley, you know, cutting up this deer for their supper. But Claire, like, leans against a pole and just kind of stares at her thoughtfully. And... I was left wondering, where is this going? Like, I didn't get it right away until we saw yep. a little bit later where yep. this was leading. Yep. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it at first. I was like, why is she looking at her? Like, I thought it had to do with the exact moment. Like, was she going to, mm-hmm. like, swap out that body with, like, the goat body or something? Like, my brain was going to, like, grotesque <laughs> morbid. I'm like, okay, what is happening here? I'm so interested that you guys saw it this way because for me this scene felt really heavy-handed to me where like she starts carving this deer and I'm like okay so we get it like Marsley can do this too it felt like Beauty and the Beast there's something there I didn't see before like this was Claire's like (laughs) aha moment that like Marsley can be her assistant so I'm okay oh my gosh I think I'm just dense I think. No, no, I think <laughs> I just it's, totally it's missed good, that. It's right. good for me to hear the other side because I, I was like, oh, this is like, you know, like I like how Marsley was the one who cleared off the table for Mr. Farish and like, and those were the more subtle moments that I didn't even pick up on. But this just felt like this like womp, like <laughs> right, Marsley's right. it. And I love the idea of the storyline and I'm so excited for it. But um, me too. I don't, I guess I don't need the gore. I, I didn't need to see the autopsy. I didn't need to see the deer. So maybe that's really yeah. just what I'm struggling yeah. with. They do. Outlander does go there with the gore. I mean, they go there. It like, does. Yep. It doesn't bother me too much. I didn't I just, mind seeing the autopsy. I'm not sure if it's adding anything for me. Mm-hmm. Well, can I ask you guys, was Marsley, was this scene in the books? Or is this a new thing? No. No. Okay. Marsley seems to be filling a role of possibly another character introduced in the future that I'm I'm excited to see 
excited. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited to see possibly phased out or not introduced at all. Because mm. cool. I hated that storyline. <laughs> so I'll keep us going here. Okay, so next scene here. We are back with Jamie and Knox, okay? And this is a big pivotal scene because this is kind of maybe like the turning point for Jamie, you know, where, you know, he's like, okay, starting to view the regulators as, you know, maybe more villains here. But he met Mr. Fang and he pretty much says that he explains the whole tarring and feathering. Um, and then he says, hey, Knox, you know, turns to Jamie and he's like, hey, are you still feeling that sympathy, Colonel? Um, and then Jamie says, I did not know they were capable of this. My biggest thing that I took away from this was Jamie talking to the tax collector who was tarred and feathered and he's sitting there and he was just like, I was just doing my job. <laughs> and yeah. you could see Jamie really sympathize with this guy, um, with his own scars from lashing and the way his back looks and I, I know we haven't seen that in a while but you could just tell there was so much empathy here on Jamie's part and I think he says something to the effect of one day yeah. you'll be proud of the reason you got those doing your duty yeah and um I thought that was really moving um but the whole just meeting Mr. Fanning so that Fanning could tell them that there were three regulators in jail this didn't this just felt like it was trying to build tension and anxiety for me in terms of like, oh, do they have Murtaugh? And I was like, of course they don't. You know? Yeah. I know. That's how I felt yeah. too. I was like, obviously like, it's not Murtaugh. Like they tried yeah. to make it really dramatic in the next scene where they like bring one prisoner out and yeah. then they bring the other two out and you're, they're trying to make you wait to see, oh, is it Murtaugh? But I just, yeah. I was with you, Kate. I right from the start was like obviously Murtaugh is not captured. Yeah, we're not there yet. We're in episode two. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so then we see the three regulars regulators come out, and it's a little tense between everybody. And Jamie is speaking Highlander to Highlander, which he you know asks permission to do first. Um, and then we have that really insane scene where the one guy is like, "I am Murtaugh Fitzgibbons," and Knox impulsively executes him with his sword without trial just literally like bam and it seemed kind of like accidentally like he uh, almost seemed like he accidentally stabbed him in the yep. stomach which again yep. goes back to what you were saying katie about this guy is just like a mess of a loose cannon and yeah. totally unpredictable totally. um but then you know in that moment jamie starts trying to cover for Knox and saying he did it in defense. And you see like the other two Highlander, the pale Highlander, as I put it, just like gives Jamie this look of disgust yep, yep. that he's covering for Knox. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, like, I don't know. The line that Jamie gives just feels so Basil exposition to me where he's like, you killed a bed without trial. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then turns around yeah. and is like, uh, it's okay. Things got heated. Yep. <laughs> And, um, this scene is a there's a there's a scene before this but i kind of think they should be together but later on um we, we we go back to jamie and knox and knox is a total hot mess and he calls himself a hypocrite um and then he brings up the whole you know a soldier's death versed hanging these guys mm -hmm. um he's saying hey listen you know he's like we gave him a soldier's death like he got like the best deal he's rationalizing it yeah yeah, mm -hmm. but he's just crazy he's just nuts he's and he's nuts. rationalizing it to make himself feel better it's not yep. like this was really the better death he's it's just your tipping point for jamie to realize that this dude is not someone i want to associate myself with mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know about you guys but i actually kind of thought like for a hot minute that there was like actually a a side thing going on between the three men and jamie like like almost like it was planned like they actually talked to murtaugh and like this guy was gonna like try to pretend to be him and die and then solve this whole entire thing um i don't know i had those thoughts I was... I <laughs> grateful for the previouslys before <laughs> before right. this hey. episode because i would not have remembered the bearded guy Me as either. the guy that was like refusing to take the land um so i think from there you could see he was just someone that definitely was a regulator definitely really like set in his ways and passionate about what they believed in that right. you know he wouldn't even take land from jamie that was tied to governor tryon 
Right. Yeah, he's definitely calling Jamie on his bullshit, right? Totally agree, Iron, where, like, there was this weird, like, wink, wink, nod, nod moment where Jamie's like, just play it cool, and I'm going to help, and right. I, I'm a fixer, right. but but yep. Ethan is just like, no, I can help myself. It was an intense scene. I actually didn't it expect was him intense. to straight up stab him. Like, honestly, it Mm-mm. totally caught me off guard. And then again, we go back now to our two fires here, okay? We have people who wronged each other in the same exact way. It's like the chicken or the egg. Like, who started this? Who's more wrong? You know, who's more violent? Okay, we have starving people they justify things earlier because these people are starving wouldn't you do that too to to eat but then we have tarring and feathering now we have straight up execution without trial so the lines are blurred here we don't know really who is bad and who is good um i don't know so it was good i mean it definitely captivates you here so but anyways to continue us on the Outlander journey here, um, the next scene to kind of bring us back to innocence a little bit, um, we have Roger and Brie hunting. Okay, and this was a really cute scene, very innocent scene. Um, we have Roger in the woods and Brie over his shoulder, um, and he is, he takes the first shot and misses. And then Bree kind of like gets real close to him. They have this little banter and they start talking about Tufty Fluffy Tail. I don't know if you guys picked up on this whole thing, but it was, I guess, his version of like Smokey the Bear, but like for driving, I guess. I don't know if you guys caught that. It was like, yeah, safety squirrel. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. And um, but I thought that was kind of cute. It was like, okay, now we're going to talk about the, you know, the future a little bit here. So Um, guys, I looked up Tufty Fluffy Tail. You did? basically looks like Peter Rabbit, just the squirrel version. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I was disinterested in Tufty Fluffy Tail. I like could not be less interested. (laughs) I was like, let's get on to the point where Roger feels emasculated because he can't shoot a gun, but Brie can. (laughs) You know, I don't care about Tufty Fluffy. Yeah, this wasn't a reference that meant anything to me. And then Mm -hmm. he like, and then he goes to shoot the turkey and misses. And then Brie like lands the shot afterward. So yeah, I guess it was a really like, you know, emasculating scene. Um, but I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was cute, you know, hearing him talk about Tuffy yeah. Tail. It sets up the whole conversation of like Brie finally breaking the ice and saying, like, you wanna go back, don't you? Because yeah. Roger doesn't fit in so well here. He's not finding his niche. Um, but Brie is able to kind of navigate this a little bit better with her her set of skills and you know they have a conversation about how brianna is trying to make a case to stay our family is here and roger says you and jem are my family and jamie frazier is my colonel and they can't come to an agreement and so roger kind of turns and walks away Uh, it's sad and then roger's like what am i what am i going to protect you from rabies That was kind of a cute scene. <laughs> like you're right, <laughs> you can't do shit. No, um, I'm I'm with you guys here. I I think this is one of the few times that I can actually sympathize with Roger because as someone who has no skill set that would help me survive in the 1770s or a zombie apocalypse, I'm kind of like, yeah, I get why you'd want to go reach. <laughs> I wish if I there was an apocalypse where we could sit on our couches and watch Outlander, we would survive 100%. Totally. Yeah. I got you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continuing on here. Um, the next scene, which was a big scene, was the fake funeral scene. Okay. This scene, first of all, I just want to like put a big side thought. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but did you see how clean their clothing was? Like, I could not stop looking at their outfits. And maybe it's just this episode or this moment that I noticed it, but they literally look so clean and so pressed. And so, like, these definitely look like casted outfits in like that they just put on for the episode and it was kind of like bugging me a little bit like look at it next time when you're watching next episode because they would be a little bit more gross like i just feel like they would look more gross and no joke like every single one of their outfits was like pressed perfectly cleaned the colors looked good so it kind of it kind of annoyed me because i was like this is a tv show and i was seeing it in this in this scene but you know this was the fake funeral scene and i thought it was kind of funny too that roger was leading the song 
he was leading the ceremony because here he is the presbyterian right and he's like leading mm-hmm. this whole thing but also too here he is like kind of stepping up in jamie's presence so here he is like being emasculated in one scene but he's being like the default head of the household here and manning up and doing things for claire and like doing this autopsy and kind of like helping her pull this pull this thing off and then real quick and then we'll jump into it a little bit thorough and then this is where again it, it transitions to marsley in the autopsy room with her and this is where claire you know approaches her you know with being her apprentice or asking her to be an apprentice and then that whole scene ensues um so yeah what do you guys what do you guys think about this scene it was good right i loved it and i think i forget what the actress's name who plays marsley but uh, she's so good like when you see her enter that doorway the expression on her face is like what am I being brought to right now like she's just looks so apprehensive and she's kind of like her eyes are darting around the room and I loved when Claire lifts the blanket to reveal the man's face and she cries out lord have mercy I was like <laughs> cracking up she was yep. hilarious yep. Um, just yep. like a total natural reaction <laughs> It was so good. She was fantastic. <laughs> was so I good. loved it. She sold it completely. <laughs> totally sold it. Totally sold it. And then her, like, because everyone's thinking it, like, oh, my gosh, the witch stuff. Like, and she, like, doesn't mm-hmm. say it. She, like, muddles it under her breath. She's like, what? Oh, a witch. Like, she kind of, so it was just cool because they, like, went there and then they pulled back from it mm-hmm. so quickly. Um, but you're totally captivated by her in the scene. Both of them. Totally. They're both really good arguers. Marsley's like, you know, don't make me say it. Was she right? My mom, was she? And Claire's like, I'm not a witch. We learned from practicing on the dead. Yep, yep. And then Marsley's like, I could never defile a body. And Claire's like, I didn't defile him. It's called an autopsy. And they're just yep. like going back and forth yep. arguing until Marsley finally agrees yep. that, you know, she'll learn. She's like brought into it by Claire saying she's going to stitch him up. And she's like, oh, sewing? Yeah. Okay. Right, right. I'm down. Yeah, she she also, was just great. I had a thought too. So like how many days have passed and, and would this body be smelling? Yeah, I was thinking that too. It'd probably be pretty bad. You know, I also think that there was maybe I don't know if you noticed this, but like Claire justifies the whole thing because she's teaching Marsley, right? Mm-hmm. So so I think this is one of those things that didn't sell me a little bit on the scene because when she first cuts open the body, she justifies it as I need to find out the cause of death. But like she really did know the cause of death. Okay. She know, knew it was the mercury. She knew it like there wasn't a true valid reason for her to really perform an autopsy given like this is season five. Like how many people has, have died? How many times has this happened? But the thing is, she discovers Marsley after that scene, the initial autopsy scene, and then she sees her. Mm-hmm. So then she, in this new scene now, she brings her in and she pretty much says, hey, be my apprentice. And then right there as the audience, you're like, okay, well, this makes sense why she did the autopsy because she can teach Marsley how to do this stuff. So this isn't like, you know, wasted. Okay, it makes sense. It's not stupid. But the truth is, she started cutting that body up like right from the start. You know, it like Marsley was not in her sights when she first started cutting open this body. So it was a little lost me a little bit there in like the consistency of the story a little bit. So my take, Aaron, I don't know if this helps you at all, but like, so Claire, ultimate control freak, which I feel you, you know, <laughs> but <Right>. I think, <laughs> I think she's, she's my struck- sister. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I totally get it. Um, but yep. I think she's really struggling with the fact that she couldn't control the outcome for Mr. Farish mm-hmm. and she couldn't help him. And True. not only could she not save him from this appendicitis, but also he- she couldn't save him from the, the medicine that his wife was giving him and her her way of perhaps dealing with that or trying to feel like she has some sort of control was by performing this autopsy and yep. then she's like still holding on to it still trying to work through it and now she's going to bring Marsley into it and hopefully find some sort of closure I mean that's right. how I read it I don't I don't know mm-hmm. that's true okay yeah yeah yeah. I thought like her intentions just kind of shifted so yeah she was upset that she couldn't save this man's life because that's what she's always kind of after so she did the the autopsy to kind of like confirm her suspicion you know because she's like Mm evidence-based right like so she she does that to confirm her suspicion and immediately following 
during her doing the autopsy, she walks out and sees Marsley and sparks this idea of, you know, training her uh, to be her apprentice. I thought it just kind of like, I see what you're saying that it looks like a little inconsistent. Like maybe her, maybe that wasn't her ultimate initial intention, but I think it was kind of like a flow or a pattern of different thinking for her. Right. Right. It was good. I mean, all all in all, I think it was entertaining. Like you were able to see where this goes. Yes, totally. And again, these are the things I love watching the show because you're like, how the heck is she going to do this? Like the incorporation of the future and the past and the science. So, um, so anyways, to continue on, um, the next scene, and I don't know if we want to jump into it too much, but Jamie breaks the leftover regulars out of prison. Okay, a real mm-hmm. quick scene. He busts them out. I don't know about you guys. I thought it was a little sloppy. Like, really, Jamie? You're just like, first of all, <laughs> Who the heck is watching these prisoners? Are they just like willy nilly hanging out there? I mean, come on, like, <laughs> like go like pay the. He didn't have to, to knock anybody up. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, come on, yeah. Here. It was just a means to an end. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it was like risky. It was very risky. Like I don't know, and even trusting the regulators. I mean, mm-hmm. all they had to do was run their mouth off for like a hot second, and he would have been like toast, you know. Or even, like, okay, how about, like, hand them the tool to break out from the inside or something? Literally, they get there and they're like, oh, yeah, it was broken out, broken from the outside. Like, can we not use our heads a little bit here, gentlemen? Like, come on. But, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts or we can press on here. I super like the next scene because I thought candle making looks really fun and I want it in. So beautiful. Can we do this? This Can we, like, get together and candle make? This hit like everything that is me. This scene, uh-huh. I was, like, I stopped. <laughs> I really was like, "Oh my god, find back to you. I'm going back right now. I'm bringing like soy wax. I'm, let's do this. Like, holy crap, this was such a good scene. Like, I loved it. And then they were like, but the cool thing is like they were like doing it so nonchalantly. She's like literally uh-huh. having all this. She's like, "Ooh, throw the candles here. Ooh, throw them over here, and be like, blah 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 blah. Such a good scene. Such a good scene." I'm yeah. glad you guys were there with me because I I wrote down I was like look super fun I want in and I'm glad you guys are down and now we're gonna candle make new hobby yep. Aaron yep. can teach us his ways totally I mean throw a little color mm-hmm. in there but then I was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so throw some lavender maybe um but this was also a pivotal scene because it is another mm-hmm. scene that fire or lights the fire in Claire where she's like, Oh my God, I got to control this here. She then decides to create, well, after learning that the King could be poisoned is potentially being poisoned by his own physician. So she learns that like, okay, listen, there's a lot of incorrect information out there. So she starts to create Dr. Rollins tips for preventative care, which also guys, I thought this was like, one of those hot things that they do in TV now where they want to throw in these like insurance terms to get like buzz. <laughs> okay. like, exactly. Like literally like I keep watching these shows on TV and they like throwing out deductible like, we'll pay. Your doctor's out of network. Yeah, like, like, go get your physical. <laughs> like is Outlander really bringing up preventative health care? Did she say that whole word? Then we've got an MVP sponsor at the yeah, end of the episode. What is going on here? Like, she's going to be like, oh, colonoscopies are covered for free. Like, what's coming up next? Like, it, was like, it was ridiculous. Like, but cute, like, nonetheless. So. Yeah, I have to say, too, so... When the women were talking and we learned that there's this physician at Cross Creek um, who said that honey's an old wives tale and sells him her, her this like supplement or whatever that he says the the king is taking. I thought, first of all, propaganda. Yep. How does this physician at Cross Creek know what the king is taking? Right. Liar. Right. Second of all, <laughs> um, this is an, another source for potential conflict. Because if we've got Claire, a healer, a woman healer, you know, talking about her methods and her approach and how this trained physician is wrong, you can see that there could be conflict there if he finds out and if they ever come into contact with each other. Yep. So. Yep. So, fun fact, <laughs> I looked this up, modern times, they've, they've kind of gone back and they have, they have done studies that have shown that King George's physicians' medicines did exacerbate and speed up his death. So oh no! <laughs> some of these women are talking about, like, imagine him poisoning him. That's, That's exactly funny. what he did. 
That's funny. Claire goes on to write her her preventative care, but if Ben Franklin can be silence do good, why can't Claire Fraser be Dr. Rowling's? <laughs> <laughs> true. Totally. So like yep. Let the woman preach, I guess. And I did like that Mm -hmm. Brie sits down and supports her and helps write Mm -hmm. some stuff out, too. Again, it's like another constructive moment from Brie as opposed to one with her being angry and kind of being the conflict, like you said. And she she sits down and starts actually like handwriting the the things with her. And um, my curiosity was piqued. I was like, I really want to read those. Like, I want to know what the things are that she's writing, you know, like, I don't know. Don't go swimming, like I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm saying. Hands, right now, but yeah, wash water. your hands. It was it was a full <laughs> scene. Yeah. Yep. But I love that she like didn't have Brie one hundred percent at the beginning and then Brie like sat down and like started helping her. So it was again, it was a cute mother daughter scene where Brie is brought in now as the side character, you know? She's adding to Claire or back to, you know, Claire and Jamie being the center of this. So anyways, to continue on here, we're back at the cell block, okay? And Jamie and Knox are, you know, having a really deep convo. And and Knox is pretty much like, you need more men, gather your militia, and come prepared for war, okay? So this is kind of an intense tense little scene. It's a quick scene. Um, but us as the viewers are remembering last episode where he was gathering everybody at his wedding but you kind of like don't want it to happen you're kind of like god i hope they don't actually need them to fight and here you're like okay episode two it's already happening here so it was kind of <laughs> intense you know the fires are you know getting lit here so i think this part they're actually doing a good job of building the tension and the anxiety and you know where's jamie gonna fall they're definitely pushing him towards a decision so yep. i appreciate that so all right to continue on here the next scene which i think is a very you know important scene but it's when roger gets his eye exam and first mm-hmm. of all you come into the scene and you're like what's going on here does he actually have a problem is he going to need glasses somehow is, is he going to go to the future to get his glasses and come back and be like hey i got my readers i can i'm good now but like <laughs> their transitions um but this is an important scene because roger and claire have a moment to bond here and they bond over the fact that claire also wants them in the future okay she really mm-hmm. prefers you know him and brie and jemmy in the future where it's safe and they have this moment of agreement where they both kind of realize okay they're on the same page here but they also realize that they don't know when that's going to be they don't know if it's going to be sooner or later in a year from now so it creates some cause for concern and a little bit of you know, a wake-up call for Claire, as we'll see in later scenes. Mm-hmm. This was interesting, too, because in the books, Roger actually has an eye issue, mm-hmm. um, and this is why he can't shoot a rifle. Claire diagnoses him as having this eye issue. But I like that they kind of said in the show, you know, your father was a pilot. It'd be yes. pretty unlikely yeah. for you to have a hereditary yeah. eye issue. So we're just going to, I guess, squash that storyline. I yeah. feel like they just can't give Roger one more bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's going to have like a pig leg in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. They were like, oh. we're going to give him a break on this one and just let it mm-hmm. ride. Yeah. You have minor astigmatism, <laughs> but it's fine. Like, you're good. You're just total, like... So, no, just kidding. You'll, um, you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This was also important because Roger finally mentions, like, we don't know if Jem can travel. Mm-hmm. So it's a total oh, moot point until we figure out if exactly. he can travel through the stones. But you, like, think he can, right? Because he's, like, if he has Bree's DNA, he should technically be okay, you would think, right? Even if it wasn't Well, do a punnant square. Is it dominant or recessive trait? It's true. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. There. I mean, you would think if he if he's Bree and Roger's kid, pretty good chance of traveling. Yep. Yep. If he's Bree and Bonnet's kid, less likely. Um, by the way, my brain totally went to this like sci-fi area of my mind while I was watching this episode because I was thinking of the same thing. I was like, I really want Jamie in the future. Like, what if they did like a blood transfusion 
and like gave him Claire's blood and like <laughs> I was like thinking about the blood thing and I'm like what if they like piped all this blood into him and just threw him into Kragnadoon and like tried it at least or something I don't know so I was like trying to think of a scientific way to like send him to the future but uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's not gonna happen but yeah so to carry on I don't know if you guys have any more closing thoughts on, on that scene, but I mean it was a good scene um then we have you know Murtaugh and the regulators at the camp you know, Murtaugh getting questioned about where his loyalties lie um, with Jamie or the regulators. Okay, pivotal scene, because again, we have, you know, the two fires here and a lot at stake. So. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like these scenes, but I, I was trying, right? So. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. I'm like, fra- I'm in here. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> So, so I'm pretty sure husband and Hunter are real historical figures, or at least husband is. So he was actually like a regulator that was part of the Battle of Alamance. So I think we're going to see him. I think the guys are questioning him about his relationship with Jamie. And Murtaugh says Jamie stands by his people, but then goes on to say that he, Murtaugh, will stand by his. Yep. Mm-hmm. So definitely some yep. foreshadowing here. Yep, totally. Yeah. So. I had to say that Claire clearly just got back from Home Goods in this next scene, and she's figuring out what to do with all her new glassware. Oh my god! <laughs> like, she is like where did she get this from, guys? Yep. Like, where did yep. she go? She's yep. got all these like terrariums or whatever. Well, I have a question for you, Tiff, because the title card mm-hmm. was baking bread. Did you pick up on that be- being like a nod to this scene here? Yes. Okay. Yep. I, it totally was went beyond above my head. So I didn't realize this was coming. This but I think in the books, like she does use bread, but I think she also is like taking scraps from like everyone because she's just trying to catch the strain. Yeah. And I don't remember also her putting it under glass because I thought she was trying to catch like mold strains from the air in order to try to develop the penicillin. But anyway, no, that's a fair point. Why would she cover it if she's trying to encourage growth? This scene just like totally made me laugh. It was like the best scene. Like (laughs) I also didn't catch it at first. I was like, is she like stress baking? Like what is she on there? (laughs) Like I don't know if you watch like Good Girls, like Sugar Girls, like the girl like bakes every time she's like stressed out. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, this she's making so many loaves of bread. Like and then she is literally like, no. I'm going to let them like rot or whatever. And I'm like, damn, she's dark. Like what is going on here? <laughs> Penicillin. This is great. Like, mm-hmm. We also have the but introduction then... of Mrs. Bug. Yes. I, they, they're awesome. Her and her yeah. husband are awesome characters. Yeah. But, and then Brie is like, Mom, you can't do this. It's not invented for another hundred years. This is dangerous. What if it messes with the cosmic balance? And it's like, Brie, first of all, take a seat. Okay? Say, thank you, Mom, for the antibiotics. Like, I'm happy to have them. Yep, yep. And then second of all, this is a little out of character for Brie, for anyone who's read the books. Like, she does not mind introducing technology interesting into the past yeah but this was important i mean this for Mm -hmm. me this was a pivotal almost like disclaimer it was like a disclaimer scene where okay we're gonna finally address the big elephant in the room and that is messing with time like time Mm -hmm. like this is a serious thing here (laughs) no i have a problem with this i'm sorry i'm just like we did season one you can't change mm-hmm. time. We did yeah. season yeah. two. You can't change time. I don't know why we're still having this conversation in season five. I don't know. Maybe right. it's for new viewers, but it's like, you can't change time. I don't know why we're still talking about this. Why do they pretend we're in a universe <laughs> where like, you know, stepping on an ant is going to have some big effect because we all yep. know you can't do that. Yep. Yep. And I was really happy. Claire has this line where she says, time, space, history be damned. And I'm like, thank you. I hope this is just like, us closing this chapter and yep. we never have to talk yep. about affecting time ever again yep. well, yeah, <laughs> i feel like that's why it was done so we can like just get it out in the air like we don't care we're making penicillin we're stepping on butterflies yeah, history is gonna happen <laughs> yes thank you exactly. <laughs> we don't care like this is like whatever but like there's definitely that like geeky side of me that still like chimes in in my head like oh my god but like what if she like gives penicillin to the wrong person and then they live and shoot this person and then they get in like a drunk driving accident and kill like Well think about how they saved Bonnet. 
like yeah, Jamie like, chose to save Bonnet, and right. look what happened. Exactly, you know? the ripple effect. It's like you don't know. You do not know what could happen. Yeah, so it was a good scene. This is the. This is actually, I will tell you guys, of all the scenes in this episode, I got so sucked into it that I completely forgot taking notes. I like, <laughs> I got like full th- through the scene, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh my god, I gotta write this down. I was so engaged in it, and, and you know, tranced. It was. It was a good scene. It was probably my favorite scene in this whole thing. Um, I do. I also know nothing about penicillin and, and antibiotics, so I'm like, how the heck is she gonna do this? Like, I really want to know, like. If she's gonna pull this off, or like accidentally kill like ten people in the in the process, or something, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, good scene. Jumping ahead here, we have Jeremiah was a bullfrog. We got Roger playing mm-hmm. outside for Jemmy. Cute dad moment. Cute dad moment. Okay. I like this song. You know. Me too. Oh, we yeah. sang this in chorus. Nice. It was a good song. <laughs> but I just wanna. <laughs> I'm laughing here because. So then, okay. So then. He's playing the guitar, and then Brie comes out, and they're getting really close, and they're kissing, and they're being all lovey-dovey. And then he runs inside into the cabin, and he, you know, goes through her her pictures and notices that she drew a picture of his butt cleavage. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I'm totally (laughs) Imagine, though. Oh, my God. (laughs) Come on, I had to bring the butt cleavage. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> we will lose that one in post this time. It totally got edited out from the last episode. We wanted to go back to Roger's butt cleavage in episode one and how shocking... I was trying to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one of the earlier disclaimers. But anyway, sorry, not to get us off track, but he really does discover that she's drawing bonnet. And okay, so he's draw she's drawing bonnet. He discovers this, but not only is she drawing a picture of bonnet she's drawing like several pictures of bonnet mm-hmm. and they're really dark and they're really creepy and this is so like a culmination of every horror movie i've ever seen where like they just discover all these like drawings and then he walks outside and he notices that brie and well jemmy is walking and brie looks at him mm-hmm. and is like look look at our baby he's walking and here we go we have an important scene because he just again had this in-your-face real moment where he's like, "Well, this yeah. is genetically my son, but now this is our son out here." So it was it was an intense moment. Um, I thought this was like great emotive acting on Roger's part because you could see the struggle on his face, like trying to smile, but also like how disturbed he was yep. in his eyes. Yep. Uh, yeah, this hit me too. My heart was sufficiently shattered by this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, there's also part of me that's like, damn it, Roger, just just step up. Like, he's yeah, your son but... and own it. Like, know that your wife mm-hmm. needs help. But, like, just be happy for your son, regardless of his origin. Yeah. You said he's yours. So just own it. Or how about be like, Brie, what are these pictures? Show me this. What are these <laughs> Yeah. Walk to the girl. What yeah. the F is this? Right. We're just setting up ourselves for this like false conflict because neither of them is talking about it, but both know it's happening. Seriously. Like, come on, everybody. Let's get like down with our emotions here. Next, we've got a girl fight and there's like no hair pulling though here. It was MMA style girl fighting. It was so intense. I was not expecting this. Yup. Yup. It was a good scene. Shit was crazy. Oh my God. And then... We're just looking at the audience of the people like throwing down money, betting on who's gonna win, and guess who's back? <laughs> I just started playing like that song, the Eminem song. That's like, guess who's back, 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 <laughs> back again? Bonnet's back, 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 back. Hide your friends. Hide oh your God. friends. Hide your you wife. Hide your back. jewelry. Like <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> I literally was like, is she building this up for Pippin right now? Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, Pippin's back, you know? Oh my god. I skipped right over Pippin. <laughs> no, literally, like, Bonnet's officially back, man. Like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, intense scene. Okay, like, here we have uh, Bonnet in his like new life. And he is, you know, smuggling goods for whatever's going on here. Um, I think that 
the fight itself, the girl fight, was also just kind of like a nod to remind us that, you know, Bonnet really disrespects women. Okay. This is like, again, just mm-hmm. a reminder of like, this is one unclassy dude. He's rigging a girl on girl fight. Like, he is that kind of scumbag. Um, but, you know, we continue on, and he mentions, you know, he's now untethered from his past. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, a pretty in, intense scene, but it brings things, you know, makes things real. Okay. Like he is alive. We've, we're seeing it. Um, can I just add in here, guys? I said this last episode, how my mom got me really into Outlander. Well, at the end of last season, I straight up went to my mom and was like, mom, is Bonnet dead? Like he better be dead. And she's like, Oh, he's totally dead. Like she convinced oh, me. Oh, she trolled you hard. She totally trolled me. Like, <laughs> really, I had no doubt in my mind that Bonnet was, I was like, Bonnet's done. Close that story. Cool. We don't have to worry about this again. And literally last episode where I realized he was still possibly alive and now seeing him Eminem style come back, like, <laughs> like I'm so mad. Ugh. I know. And I loved, like, the other guy, he's accusing Bonnet of rigging the fight, and Bonnet is so, like, incredulous, but obviously he is rigging the fight because he's a shady bee. Yeah. Like, but he has the nerve to be like, oh, how dare you? Like, I challenge you to a duel. Like, come on, Bonnet, we know you. And right before that guy got, like, totally eviscerated, I actually thought Mm -hmm. that there was a... um, there was like a deception upon a deception or maybe like an inception moment where I thought Bonnet was then creating another fight that he was rigging where everybody was going to bet on like him and this guy. And then he was going to like everybody again. But you know, then he like slashed the guy's face and like, like, so I'm like, okay, maybe that's not the case here. (laughs) But But again, you're reminded how freaking gruesome he is. He's so evil. And then the, the other spectator is like, why didn't you just kill this guy? And Bonnet goes, I must set a better example. I'm a father now. And it's like, oh, my God. Oh my He's going to go try that? to find Jem and Bree. I missed that. He hmm? said that? You missed that? Yeah, missed he said, that. I have to. I <sighs> must set a better example. I'm a father now. Oh, my God. I and then leave. Oh yeah. God. So yuck. Like, Brie, why did you have to go see him? Because if she hadn't gone to see him, he wouldn't even, like, know about this. And he'd have no desire to, like, seek her out. And he, like, leaves that door on a mission. You know what he's doing. It's so scary. Well, that changes things. But I'm also kind of, like, glad he's back because he's a good villain, you know, even though he's, like, a horrible, evil person. He's, you know, he's a very good villain, so. I looked forward to his chapters in the books. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's like, I may be bad, but I'm perfectly good at it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a great 90s pop song. <laughs> so, when he, this is a question for you guys, because like, maybe I'm like too stupid to realize this, but when he left the bar... Which was mm-hmm. a kind of a weird scene. He's just like, all right, peace, drop the mic. I'm leaving the bar. He closes the door. <laughs> and he puts on a red coat. Was he a red coat? Like, I could not tell. No, he was wearing the most no, absurd clothing I've ever dandy. seen. Okay. Like, was he not looking like a dandy? Like, what yeah. were you doing? Yeah. Like, is that a character looking... he was playing? You know what I mean? Like, that's right. what it, it seemed unbonnet like. <laughs> Yep. Um, so yep. I just thought maybe he was just fitting this role to kind of fit in with okay. this scene. I you know, dressed as, as everybody else. Yeah, as much as the funeral clothes bothered you, Aaron, like, I could not handle what Bonnet was Me wearing. Too. Okay. I was just like, what the heck is all of this satin? Like, just <laughs> And here's my stupid literal mind. I'm like, oh, a red coat. It's a red he coat. He must be a red coat. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was an idiot moment there um no not at all yeah but so then yeah then we have the end of the episode and this is what i was saying in the in the first you know last podcast where they do kind of cliffhanger you a little bit okay they didn't do this Mm -hmm. last episode they did kind of cliffhanger us here bonnet's alive you know he's coming for brie okay um Mm -hmm. but it was a you know solid episode a lot happened here um yeah (laughs) I really enjoyed this episode too. I thought it felt like well paced 
And even though the characters were apart and separated, I thought it, you know, with the changing of the scenes and locations, they were well-timed and we, you know, we were jumping between locations, but I still felt that, you know, it was not frantic. It made sense. I thought the timing of it worked out well. Yep. Yeah. It was and I a thought... solid setup episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought there was a little good character development for Bree and Roger. Yep. You know, even in their supporting roles, we got to know <coughs> them a little bit more, you know, yep. without a lot of drama, yep. which was mm-hmm. nice. I, you know, I always loved the nods to time travel and science. So I really liked the autopsy mm-hmm. stuff. I really liked um, the penicillin stuff I thought was cool. Um, I still want to see how she's going to do this, like, tonsillectomy on that other character. Like, maybe there'll be some bread mm-hmm. penicillin involved. Like, um, that's the stuff I like. And... There was a lot of it this this episode. Um, even like when Roger was looking at the eye exam on the wall, you know. I mean, that was totally mm-hmm. kind of futuristic a little bit. Um, it was a good episode. I was pleased. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I I liked. What do you theme. think, Katie? I liked the theme. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that, you know, it kind of like how we we're talking about birthday tarot and how, you know, you have right. the, these two opposite cards that kind of speak to your personality. I felt like there was a lot of yin and yang decision making. People were torn, um, having internal conflicts in this episode. And I thought yeah. they did a really good job, especially showing Jamie's internal struggle this mm-hmm. episode right. with um, being able to see both sides and really just wanting to protect his family. So I liked that. And I like where the Marcelie Claire storylines going. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. The bonnet scene for me was like a little too mustache twirly. Like, it was just like, okay, it just felt very like one dimensional bad guy. And I, it made me miss Randall a little bit because he was so psychological. And like, I just think about that scene where he, he's talking to Claire and then he punches her in the stomach and you're just like, (laughs) what? And like, that is, that element of surprise is definitely missing with Bonnet. It's just like, oh, you're a really bad guy. Okay. Like you suck and I don't like you, but I, I, the depth isn't there. Um, and also, I just, I can't, every time I see him, I just think of Jimmy from Downton Abbey. I know. Um, but it's hard not to. Yeah, because he was, he's just so pretty. Like, even though they really mm-hmm. tried to make him look awful in Bree's drawings, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, <laughs> he's a pretty guy. Um, I like, again, they did a good job building. Obviously, we're building up to this conflict of, of the Revolutionary War. So this was a good building episode, but a little violent for me, a little gory yeah. for me. I just I, I, I wonder if they, you know, do we always have to take the obvious choice of showing the whole opt- autopsy or the burn scars from the tar and feathering? I mean, they definitely made an impact. But was there a way that you could have had the same impact without having to just throw it on screen i don't know great episode (laughs) (laughs) i think for me episode one was i i enjoyed episode one a little bit more than i enjoyed this one yeah i tiff tiff liked episode two i like them both I don't know. I like them both. I'm good. Yeah, it's Outlander. I'm bought in. So (laughs) there's never been a bad episode. (laughs) There have been bad episodes, (laughs) but (laughs) this. I don't know. I was down with it. Yeah. Hmm? I don't think that either was bad. I just I think I liked episode one a little bit more. Well, it's interesting coming in at season five because you kind of forget how much has actually happened. There's so much mm-hmm. Outlander story that has been told. You remember everything with like Galus Duncan and like the beginning with, you know, um, McDougal and, you know, the Mackenzies and like all the beginning like central themes and, and things they're running from. And she's trying to get back to Frank. And that's like long gone over. OK, she made it years went by. She made it back to Jamie like so much has happened and here we're in like almost the denouement of the story here and it still just gets better and better so um yeah so until next week we will this is this is fraser's fraser's ridge a masterpiece theater production no just kidding anyways (laughs) i'm losing it guys 
Well, I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited for us to do this again next week and hope you all keep listening and we'll see you then. Spoilers after the outro music. Did you guys watch the promo for next week? Yes. I didn't. I missed it. Darn it. It was Beardsley (laughs) heavy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be. I don't know if I can watch it. I I don't know if I can watch it. I don't want to see this disturbing ass shit. I yeah, I don't I don't want to. Yeah. This episode's heavily (laughs) about his story. And I was kind of hoping we were going to skip it with me too. In the last Me episode, too. I, I can't handle this. I saw this promo uh, and I was like, oh, it no. looks like a horror movie. I think Crap, that. I want to know now, darn it. I want to oh, know. You jerks, I want to know now. Can it be next week? I already? like. I want like I need to force someone to watch it with me because I don't know if Can I'm gonna handle either? it. Can you give me a theme of like something that may happen? Creepy, Ash, fucked up creepy shit so he's creepy he's like a total creep no not oh. him basically okay. it's just like house on haunted hill <laughs> yep okay i'm ready all right we need to mix it up outlander hmm.